it always sounds like MXPX, but it always sounds a little different. You know, there's something about each record. So that in and of itself means, hey, there's something for everybody, you know, with MXPX. Welcome to Long Live the Music, a podcast from It's All Dead, made by music fans for music fans. I'm Kyle Hawk. Welcome to Long Live the Music. I'm Kyle Hawk, Editor-in-Chief at itsalldead.com. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Uh, if you joined us a couple weeks ago, we did a deep dive podcast on the legacy, history, discography, all things MXPX. And I mentioned on that show how this article that I'd written for It's All Dead uh, seven or eight years ago, where I ranked at the time the, the nine studio albums they'd released, that is uh, our most visited article that we've ever put up in the history of the website. So we did this podcast and the podcast kind of took off too. So we've obviously got a lot of MXPX fans out there, which is awesome. And we thought, what better way to follow up that conversation we had with Jason Tate than to have Mike Herrera himself on the podcast. He was kind enough to join me on the show and chat for a little while. We talked about a whole lot of things. Uh, we talked about their Between This World and the Next live a uh, series of shows that they've been doing. Their next one is coming up June 4th. I encourage you, if you haven't had a chance to see one of these shows, or even if you have, uh, go to mxpx.com, pick up a ticket for the June 4th show. They've got a new single out, Can't Keep Waiting, uh, in line with a lot of uh, new singles they've been releasing over the past year plus here. Um, and of course, as we talked about on the show last week, they're coming up next year on the 30th anniversary of the band. So uh, we talked about a variety of things. Mike was kind enough to be very generous with his time. Um, hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, here's Mike Carrera. All right. Well, I tell you what, one minute you're uh, recording an absurdly long podcast. Uh, deep dive podcast on the history of MXPX with Jason Tate. Next thing you know, you're talking to Mike Carrera. Uh, Mike, this is an absolute delight for me. Thank you so much for taking time to come on the show today. Yeah, man. Great to be here. How's it going, Kyle? It is going well. Um, excited to have the chance to, to talk with you. Like I say, MXPX has been on our minds a lot lately, and it's been on a lot of people's minds. You guys have had a lot going on from the uh, live stream series you've been doing between this world and the next, uh, the box vinyl set release. There's been uh, new singles. It's just the MXPX has been um, everywhere for the past year uh, for fans to kind of consume content and uh, and stay involved with you guys. And so we're going to talk a little bit about all of that. Um, and then, of course, uh, coming up on 30 years as a band. So we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit as well. But um, you guys just had one of your uh, live stream performances a few weeks ago. You get another one coming up on June 4th. You know, we've had basically a year now of everybody like trying to figure out like how to make this live music thing work in a, in a world where, you know, people can't get together for you all. What, what do you think has made this series that you've been doing so successful? Well, you know, thanks man. Um, I think one just, you know, we, uh, we always try to think of, um, the audience and how they're gonna, how they're gonna, you know, see it, how they're going to hear it. You know, we did that when we were putting together shows, bills, venues. Um, we really, we started really over the last five years or so um, thinking about, okay, what's it going to be like when from, from the moment somebody steps into the venue till the end of the show. And, um, you know, I guess we kind of took that same idea with just our thoughtfulness in how do we make a live stream a live stream live on the internet fun how do we make it interactive how do we make it something different than a live show that people are used to so they can't say oh it's fun but it's not a live show well it's not a live show it's 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 live yes it's yeah. a performance but it is 
its own thing. And I think that's mm-hmm. mainly, I think that's worked really well. Um, the fans have really reacted positively to it. Um, we get people coming back every time, you know, they want to see the deep cut. So w- what we started yeah. out doing was just putting together every single set we've done has been a different set of songs. Mm-hmm. We repeat like one or two songs probably, but, uh, for the most part, it's like something you haven't heard in, in quite a while. And <laughs> it's been fun to learn, but, uh, mm-hmm. we just did at the show, which was yep. actually the only time we've really done like an album kind of thing front to back for one of these live streams. But, yeah. um, in normal fashion, we didn't really advertise it all that much. We, we mentioned it, you know, at the top, you know, when we announced the show, but, um, we love to just do things like over deliver, I guess, is a way to describe it. Uh, do things that make people go, Oh my God, I can't believe they just did that. Or, you know, if you're a fan of the band, if you're following what MXPX does, that's what we, you know, we want to, want to always, come up with something new, something exciting, something that you can't not be a part of. Yeah. I, I'm interested, you know, you mentioned at the show and which is awesome. I had a chance to watch that one. Is that a set list specifically that you get asked about a lot? Just because I know for me, like that was like a live experience of the band I had before I ever saw MXPX in person. I feel like that's such like a revered live album. I, I would imagine that you have kind of like felt people asking for something like that before. Yeah, I mean, people ask for it all the time. They they always want to know, you know, in certain regions, it hasn't been released on on uh, streaming services, things like yeah. that. So uh, it's a little harder to get in some spots. And it was just something that we're like, well, let's do let's do at the show. That'd be really cool yeah. um, because it's a bunch of songs that we already play, but we just hadn't played them together like that, you know. Yeah. And then and then of course you add in. Uh, there's some specific songs in the set from that album that we had like forgive and forget is one. And the one right before that, I don't even know the name of it, but um, <laughs> I, I can play it. Um, those two songs right in that set uh, are songs that we didn't release on an album. Yeah. You know, they were just demos before. I think they did get released maybe on like let it happen or something like that. But um, at the time, at the time, it was it was like, oh, let's do something that we've never released on a live yeah. album. So th- little things like that are fun. So we had to go back and, and figure that stuff out. I've been uh, I've been really working on this certain part for a sh- for we have a set coming up, set nine, round nine coming up June fourth, mm-hmm. like you mentioned. And there's one song. It's a very very rare track. Like the whole band, Tom came in, our guitar player, and he's like. I don't even re- remember we did this song. Like I forgot about this song. So yeah. we're learning these songs that we don't even know, but they're fun. It's fun. We're like, yeah. I mean, at at some point, you know, you're making records as a band and you're touring and you're in that cycle. It's really hard to know every single song a- after a while. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this has yep. been a, a huge opportunity for us to actually get back into it and find songs that, that uh, got left behind that actually have some merit to them. So uh, I I won't name the song because the show is still coming up June 4th, but I am sitting here just meticulously going over this baseline on this breakdown part. And I'm just like, why did I write this thing? This is too hard. (laughs) We had never recorded, we had never played it live. We'd only recorded it. So of course you can do things, you know, in the studio that you can't necessarily do live. So now I'm paying for it. 
and I'm pushing myself to be able to play these parts. And and yeah. a couple other songs I can think of, there's like parts where I'm running on the bass and singing at the same time. And I'm just like, man, all right, <laughs> but I'm getting it. So uh, yeah. to, tune in to see if I fail miserably, crash and burn <laughs> June 4th. I love it. It's it's been so cool to kind of get to experience songs, you know, from a fan perspective that you normally wouldn't just from a uh, what we would expect from a normal touring cycle if you go to one show. On top of the fact that you guys have really captured I think a really solid energy um with these performances, you got the merch table set up. It, it's created like a really um cool experience uh, for the fans. I, you know, I mentioned next year, 30 year anniversary for MXPX. One of the things I thought about as I was watching that that most recent performance is you know, you guys went from playing backyards to club shows to amphitheaters and festivals. Now you're playing in this room with like cameras set up and there's no crowd there. I was just thinking of like the arc of like everything that a band that exists over a 30 year span could experience. And it's kind of incredible how you have been a part of all of these different eras in terms of how people are experiencing music. And I've got a few questions there. My, my first one though is, you know, I think one of the things I always thought of with a, an MXPX show is just the energy of it. Um, how hard was it for you starting out with this to like capture the energy from you as a performer without the fans like right there in front of you? You know, uh, that was definitely a thought, you know, in a, in a, in a worry. And we like kind of going back to just having the thought of this is not the same type of show. It's not a big mm-hmm. rock show. We're not trying to play in a big venue with lights and stuff. And, and, you know, there's places for that, you know, and, and that's cool, but we wanted to create a series, something comfortable, something that people could feel the excitement and feel like they were right there in front. So it's almost like being at the smallest club you could ever imagine. Um, but you, you know, you and whoever's in the room with you watching the TV, that's it. That's, you know, you're in there. So in that way, it's, it's really kind of cool. Um, but you know, the TV thing like that, the interaction with the crowd makes it so real and and it is real, obviously. Uh, but like I said, it's this different thing and it's so hard to sort of like articulate and grasp why they're different, but the medium, I think the fact that it's a small screen or even if it's a big screen, you're right. You're your eyeballs can only see the band if you're looking at this screen. And then if you take yourself out of the, out of the, the, um, the, you know, the vibes and the feelings, you can easily sort of not be as engaged in mm-hmm. what we're doing. So our job as a band, I think is to always be entertaining one playing the songs, but in between the songs, engaging with the audience, talking to each other. So I think that's just something we, we've sort of morphed over the, over the series and gotten yeah. better, better at. Um, but after show number one, we, we didn't have any worry about there being no crowd in front of us. Yeah. That's it great. just, it felt great. And it felt, we got those vibes like after show vibes. What, what I call yeah. is like <laughs> a relief of like, okay, we did it. Uh, nothing blew up all right, people are happy. Uh, you know, like all of these things, you know, just like you, you're at a regular show that happened at these, these live yeah. on the internet shows. And so for me, I'm fulfilled. And I know that, you know, fans that, uh, are itching to get out and do, do things. This isn't necessarily to replace that. It's just, a it's just something else that's really cool. So if yeah. you think of it, 
perspective, give your perspective that way, everything's going to be better, you know? Yeah. So when you go out to a show, don't expect it to be the way you did it last year <laughs> or two years ago. Things yeah. are going to be different for a while. And so that's another reason why we're so happy that these, these uh, shows live on the internet between this world and the next shows are so successful is because we don't know what it's going to look like in the mm -hmm. future for live shows. We know that it'll happen. Yeah. But we just don't know when and we don't know how soon it's going to actually resemble what we all know and love. Yeah. Well, going back to this idea of everything that you've experienced over the span of time, one of the things that sticks out to me when I think about MXPX is if you're going to be around for 30 years, the ability that you all have had of not just like keeping up with what it means to to be a band throughout these different spans of time and interact with the fans, it's, you're, you're kind of like um, trailblazing in a way. I can think of multiple instances where you guys were doing something that was like creating a completely new type of experience in terms of fan engagement, in terms of uh, how you're marketing the band, what you're doing that, that wasn't there before. How important do you think that's been in terms of thinking about MXPX still being who you are as impactful right now in, in 2021? I mean, I, I assume it's been in, in, in huge importance, but it's like, who knows? What would happen if we didn't do anything? Would the same results be? No, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard. It's hard. One of the hardest things I think is to quantify how much of what I'm working on and what I'm doing is helping and is moving the ball forward because, you know, it's hard to quantify that. Uh, but I feel like as a musician, as an artist, MXPX has always been about doing things that we love to do and uh ever you know at least in our newer era um it's 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 not as if we're like a completely different band but the internet has changed people you know it's like mm -hmm. the, the way you communicate with people has changed um if i had a a podcast back you know when i first started the band what would that be compared yeah. to like it now you know it's like mm -hmm. it's so impossible to know but going back to your original you know thought on this just just keeping up with technology keeping up with trends keeping up with all that it's it's more about like finding out okay where do i think everything's going but where what's right for us you know mm -hmm. and asking that question and i think something that um tom or you know my partner he for for a lack of a better term, he's like our manager. And, you know, he'll ask me every year, you know, what, it, what is it that you liked about this year? What is it that you didn't like? What do you want to change for next year? He'll even ask me like, how much money do you want to make, you know, next year or something like that? Yeah. And like all the money, and like, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't seem real to me, you know, but uh, I, I always just say, <laughs> for those asking, I always just say, I just want to be able to pay my bills and not worry about it. You know, and, and so far we're still working on all that. All that. Yeah. But no, uh, it's been, I've been able to pay my bills my whole life. I mean, there's never been a time in the band where we've been so down where we haven't been able to, to, to just work and do what we can. You know, it's like, it's one of those things where I always go, oh, if, if we're hungry and going broke, just make, write a song, you know, it's like, it seems simple, right? So going back to, uh, I think the technology part of that, um, you know, there's no, I, I, I definitely thought, okay, I'm just going to keep up with absolutely everything for a while. And I realized that is impossible. You can't yeah. keep up with everything, but I think, uh, it's important to 
go back and assess what actually matters, you know, and, and what's moving things forward. I'm a terrible person when it comes to like data and looking at numbers. Like I don't, mm. I, I go on feelings most of the time, you know, I, I write songs and, and, yeah. and so like I ha I would say as an artist, it's great to have a partner, somebody on your team that loves numbers, that, that does look at data and that can communicate that with you. Um, because that's the biggest thing that's changed right in the last few years really is data matters so much more than, than I ever thought. Um, yep. Where are you putting your resources in and is it matter? It, you know, it, it, are you getting the results you want? Like uh, a good, a good, uh, there's been so many different levels of marketing and promo mm -hmm. styles that MXPX has tried. Um, we started doing videos so long ago. Um, right. And then, you know, you start seeing other bands do it. You start seeing big bands do it and, mm -hmm. and they do it kind of their own way. And you're like, okay, that doesn't work, but that works. And you're like, you, you kind of like, you see what doesn't work from what other people are doing as well. And it kind of shows you, okay, what you're doing is working. And then sometimes yeah. you have a great video and, and it doesn't do anything anyway. And that's again, the algorithm and sort of keeping up with, with that stuff. It's like, uh, how, yeah, right. How can anybody really, really always know the right things to do? I've heard, you know, you know, about TikTok, of course, uh, TikTok as a, as a platform has managers. So if you were a star on TikTok doing videos every day, you'd have somebody emailing you probably once or every few days with, uh, you know, I guess uh, what you should do, like practices, common practices, and also like these are the trends happening and stuff like that. It's like bands don't really have that, and mm -hmm. I'm not sure they should have that. <laughs> but <laughs> but you can see how much further you can get if you pay attention to the numbers. And so right. you've got somebody on one end paying attention to the numbers, the trends, how many videos of this type, you know, this song's getting this many likes and all that. So. Of course, uh, I don't personally pay any attention to that, uh, but I have people that do. So it's like yeah. having having that is so huge. Uh, just people that, uh, and I'm very simplified. I'm talking about one little tiny slice of right. a million things you got to figure out. But um, as the world gets more complex, um, I don't see it slowing down. I see yeah. it getting crazier. Well, it's interesting that you bring that up. Uh, last year, we had Shane Told from Silverstein on the show, and they celebrated their 20th year last year. And he was talking about the biggest change for him was the data aspect. Mm -hmm. And this idea that there's this wealth of information that you can use uh, to formulate ideas about what you're going to do, but it's almost like a double-edged sword because the more that you rely on the data as an artist, the less you start to kind of, I mean, you can lose yourself in it and, and kind of, um, so having somebody that's kind of like handling that and then helping by giving you that information and, you know, making decisions that way is, it can kind of be a healthier way to approach it. But yeah, it's just a completely, completely different world. Um, well, you know, you mentioned, you know, writing a song and, and you guys have written several songs over this past year. You recently put out a new one called Can't Keep Waiting. Um, one of the things that I thought about, you know, Worries, I think was the first one that you guys released last spring or, or summer. That was kind of the first one that, that hit. Um, and one of the things going through my mind as they started to come out was you all have had a, a unique situation where you've been writing and collaborating in sort of a remote environment well before 2020 happened. Do you feel like you had a leg up when it came to like what it was going to look like for you all to work together um, in an environment where you weren't going to be in the same studio, in the same place, in the same room? Is that Was that an advantage uh, that you felt last year? 
I mean, it could be an advantage. I, I think a lot of people kind of had that situation. Um, a lot of people have been just sending files back and forth for years. Right. You know, I feel like it's just gotten a little easier nowadays. But um, we, yeah, we did. We did Plans Within Plans was our, our album that came out. I think it was 2013 or something like that. That record was literally done in isolation for the most part. Like it was me. Mm-hmm. With Yuri, you know, and, and then I, you know, worked out the songs with Yuri and then Tom came in and played and, but like, that was a weird time for MXPX. It was, it was before we were all, I don't know, we, we weren't in our renaissance as, as I guess what you can call it, whatever you call it. We, we weren't now what we're doing now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like right before our busy period again. And uh, that maybe prepared us, but I, I feel like that actually prepared us to do our, our next record, which is our self-titled album, completely the opposite way, where we did it old school. Yeah. We, we practiced every song together, knew how to play it to a T before we recorded it. And we make little changes. And we kind of did that again with Can't Keep Waiting, the brand new song. It's, yeah. uh, and, um, you know, I, I think in some ways it's great to be able to do, you know, all aspects of it because then it doesn't matter what happens like i always tell people like that are getting down about this and that and about you know oh we can't tour we can't do this or whatever i'm like just live your life do what you do find something that that you want to do you know like Mm -hmm. you can't just think about what you can't do you gotta think about what you can do and do that and don't waste your time you know because you only got one life so don't waste it um but as far as going back to the recording thing, um, yeah, I mean, it's not a big deal. Just the isolation. I work by myself most of the time. And uh, so anytime everybody shows up, it's kind of like, oh, wow, awesome. This is great. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, talking about the, the difference between an album like Plans, versus, or Plans Within Plans and the self-titled is a great segue because I, as I mentioned, doing this podcast a few weeks ago, I've been immersed in the... <laughs> catalog of MXPX to an extreme degree lately. Um, I want to talk about that a little bit. You know, you, you mentioned with this live series, you're playing songs that you've never played, songs that you haven't played in years. You're exploring albums that you probably haven't gone back to in a while. As you've done that, has that kind of got the wheels turning in your head as you're going back into these different parts of your life and the band's career and like thinking about all these different individual projects that you've put out over time. I mean, I, I'd imagine every artist probably thinks about it differently, but it's got to be something in your head when you're thinking back of like, maybe you're playing something you haven't played and you're like, oh, wow, I'd totally forgotten about this song. Like, what has it been like for you, like going back and starting, I guess, to think about all these different periods of MXPX and all these, I mean, again, the, the body of work you put out is expansive. What, what has that experience been like? You know, it's been so encouraging to find songs that you you forgot about that mm-hmm. are actually you're like, oh, this is actually something we could put in a live set and play yeah. it. You know, um, you know, if people knew it or whatever. But like, we just have to play it for a while and get people back into it. But that is probably the main thing that that you know, just having the having the challenge of learning the songs first and then also finding those songs that that we kind of just thought were dead and yeah. they're back to life and we can put those in a set wherever we are you know and um and i think that's the biggest thing we've learned from doing these songs from doing these sets you know between this world and the next and 
we're just, you know, it's almost like for me, like every set we do, it's, it's another, it's another accomplishment. It's even though it's like a little accomplishment, it's just like a yeah. one live show, but because we're recording them, because we have them, it's like, it's captured. And, and in, in that way, like it feels really cool to have all of these super rare songs captured. And of course, you know, all the, the favorites, we're getting to those too. Um, and as an artist that's written a lot of songs, there's a lot of songs that I haven't released. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of songs that, you know, I wish I would have put that out. I can think of a few different things. And just for whatever reason, it just wasn't, the song's not ready or it's just weird or whatever yeah. it is. So so it's a good encouragement to to think, you know what, maybe these songs aren't as weird as you think they are. You know, there's, there's life that can be lived for some right. of these tunes. Yeah. So one of the things I've been thinking about recently, and I mentioned we did this podcast with uh, Jason Tate um, from Absolute Punk and Chorus FM, and he's obviously a, oh, a longtime up, MXPX fan. Um, one of the things that spawned the conversation between High and that came out when we were going through each individual album was when the vinyl box set that you guys put out uh, went up for release, one of the things I saw people talking about was people really excited to own before everything and after, which makes sense because it's never been released on vinyl until now. You have to buy the box set to get it. But I also was like thinking back to when that album came out. And this is an album when it came out. I'm not making this up. I was I loved it. But I felt like at the time there was a fan response to it that was like, oh, this is kind of the more commercial type album. And to like see all these people like talking about it so lovingly, Jason and I were talking about it. We were like, gosh, we've both loved this album all this time. And now it's come back around and people are like (laughs) talking about how great this album is, which I thought was fascinating. So what I'm posing to you is, have you noticed ebbs and flows and fan response to some of your work over time? Uh, and I would imagine now as you're playing songs you haven't played in a while, you, do you notice the like, oh man, it's funny because I feel like when this came out, maybe people weren't into it. Now they love it. What, what has that been like from your perspective? You, you hit the nail on the head. I'll, I'll give you a good example, a real life example of why uh, it's okay to change your mind for one. Mm-hmm. And we don't always get, get our takes right the first time. But um, when I first heard Tom Petty, I was not a fan. Didn't <laughs> like it. I was like, this sounds weird. This is weirdo music. And I was a young punk rocker. All I liked was Mm -hmm. Black Flag and, you know, Op Ivy. And, you know, so fast forward years later, I hear it again. This is the greatest thing ever, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I think a little bit of that was happening where people were listening to a lot of fast punk rock and they heard this and they couldn't. They couldn't really listen through and hear the songs as much as this sounds really slick. So I think that's it. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, we we probably made a lot of bad decisions over our our years. But, uh, you know, it's all a learning experience for us. Like how to make a record, how to make how to like how to make a record for not only us, but for the the public. You know, Um, it's it's not. A science it's not an exact science like rivers yeah. cuomo might say it isn't for <laughs> us anyway it always yeah. sounds like mxpx but it always mm-hmm. sounds a little different you know there's yep. something about each record so that in and of itself means hey there's something for everybody you know with mxpx there's there's yep. hardcore songs there's pop songs there's there's really fast skate punk songs and melodic hardcore so you know so yeah uh I've always written a ton of different types of songs and and of course that doesn't mean you should always put everything out you know you should you should curate a little bit but sure. um, 
I, I would say about all of our records, I think a lot of them could be curated a little better. Um, I don't hate any of them. I just, there's probably just some songs that I'm not as into as some of the other ones, yeah, but, of course. but uh, there's something I'm proud of on everything we've done. Yeah. The, the cool thing thinking about these albums is was not just the album itself, but thinking about the time period that it came out in and existed within um, was really fascinating. Because as you mentioned, it's a, like a little bit different flavor of MXPX each time, but there's also other things going on around these albums that were interesting to put into context. So um, I want to ask you this, let's, you know, as I mentioned, next year, 30 years, we're going to start a project. Um, we're going to start building a, a monument, the, the Mount Rushmore of MXPX albums. If you were going to choose four MXPX albums that are we're carving up and putting in the sky for everybody to look at and go like, these are the definitive uh, first things that come to mind when uh, people should think about MXPX. Do you have an opinion on that? And you can opt out if you want to. I don't want to put any pressure <laughs> on you. but uh, I would opt out. But I mean, if you want me to say, I'd just say self-titled. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Because nobody's going to believe that, but it's just the, I mean, it's the most important record we've ever made as far as I'm concerned. But uh, the next one will be even better. So whatever, yeah. you know, if we can't make a better record than, than our last record, then we should not put it out. Yeah. So what does that look like right now in, in thinking about what a next MXPX record looks like, sounds like? Is that already underway? Is that something that you're working towards? Where is that right now? uh mxpx is notoriously tight-lipped mm-hmm. um there's i'm writing a little bit i'm writing um there will be a new record eventually now how soon i don't know i've been we've been mostly doing these these shows um and so we spend a lot of time rehearsing practicing relearning songs and um you know we've been recording a few songs here and there right uh, but you know the can't keep waiting's out now. So we got to, we got to refill the well. Um, so people assume that, yeah, we should probably have a new record by now, but no, I think it, it's important to let it come at the right time. And I'm, I like to write songs always. So I'm not necessarily, I don't always have an album's worth of songs or anything, but I'm always, I think slowly working on that. Yeah. And then I write a lot of other songs that aren't MXPX songs as well. I'll write a, you know, just like a straight punk song or something, or I'll write a, an acoustic, more sounding like a tumble down song. I, I always have those ideas and it, and it can get confusing in your head. So you got to right. choose, choose one, write it. But, um, but it's not, like I said, it's not a science either. So sometimes I'll start writing one and then I'll stop and start writing another one and then come back to it later. And I don't know yeah. what the best way to write songs is, but as long as I just get them done. Yeah. Well, Hey, something's working. Yeah. yeah um, I'm, I'm happy with the process so far. It's been, it's been really great uh, lately. Um, last couple of things before we wrap up. Um, and I'm again, for people coming to this after this last show we did, we have a format for how we kind of do these back histories of a band. Um, one of the things that we talked about is just like the, the most random, like if the, the real, MXPX Wikipedia page, if that were to exist and have like accurate information on it, what's like the most mm. random thing we can pull out? Uh, so, for example, mine was, you know, uh, I still remember where I was watching the Super Bowl, I think 2004, and suddenly somebody's like, that's MXPX and a Diet Pepsi commercial. Um, when I think about like just random stuff, like that's that's something that comes to my mind. Do you have a, a moment, and I'm sure you have like a million of them, but do you have something when you look back over 
um, almost 30 years now of something that you still kind of like scratch your head of like, that was really random. That's so crazy that um, this thing happened that we were a part of. Hmm. Yeah, there's probably been a lot, a lot of that. Um, speaking of the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, when we filmed that commercial that week, week or weekend or whatever, we were staying at the Four Seasons in, I guess it was Hollywood or, or it's Los Angeles, somewhere in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills. Um, <laughs> and they had, they, they like gave us a limo to just go wherever you want. Just, you know, I, you know, he, he, it's good till basically till the end of the dude's shift, which was like 4am or something yeah. like that. <laughs> and so, so like, they just like gave us this limo to cruise. So we cruised around Hollywood all over the place in a limo. And when we got back to the four seasons going into the, in coming out of the, the elevator through the lobby was LL Cool J. Oh, wow. Like, Oh, that's LL Cool J. Cool. All right. <laughs> I liked it. I love that guy. Yeah. And so like that, that kind of like popped into my head when you said that. But I mean, there's like a gajillion things like that, I guess, in life uh, that right. whatever, you're not going to write about it and it's not going to make the book, I don't think. Um, maybe. I don't know. But uh, first time I, you know, we saw Elvis Costello walking out of Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. Right. Like, what? Why? Like, What? <laughs> And he's one of my favorite people. So, you know, to see one of your favorite people walk out of Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles is cool. Um, well, as as we wrap up, like I mentioned, next performance for Between This World and the Next, uh, June 4th. Um, we talked about this a little, or you alluded to it. How excited for you after this past year are you to get back in front of a live crowd and um, play a play a show in front of people or, or go on a tour? Is that something that you um, are starting to get amped up about as some of these, uh, you know, tour announcements are happening? You know, um, I know the right answer to this question, but uh, I'm going to answer honestly. I feel like I'm an adult and I know when, I know when I'm not going to be playing and that is anytime soon, soon. We don't have anything booked. So I just don't get excited about it because there's nothing to get excited. What I get excited about is our show coming up June 4th. I get excited every time we do Between This World and the Next. And when we finally do book a show, because it'll happen then I will be excited. But I am not the type of person that gets excited ahead of time for anything that's not actually real. So, yeah. <laughs> so, so when I see, you know, all these tours that are announced, I go, let's just find out when that's getting pushed back to, you know what I mean? Uh -huh. It just yeah. doesn't make me happy. It makes me go, yeah. I'm concerned. I'm concerned, not concerned about COVID or anything. Just I'm concerned that this might not actually happen because there's so much liability insurance uh, that's really the problem with, with having mm -hmm. these big shows. And um, we'll see how it goes because there's shows happening in June, some big festivals happening around the U.S. And, um, and I think June is when they really start. So we'll, yeah. we'll start seeing. Uh, so I'll be excited when the time is right. But uh, there's no reason for me personally to be excited uh, because I am already way too excited to play in front of everybody. Live on the internet. <laughs> love it. My career with maybe some of the most level-headed and, and healthy mindset answers of, of any guest we've had on the show. So, Mike, thank you for uh, <laughs> thank you for all of that. Um, well, this has been thrilling. Uh, we're excited for the show on June fourth. We're excited for everything uh, to come, and uh, huge fans of MXPX. So, Mike, thank you so much for taking time to chat today. Thank you so much. And when the time comes, I will be excited. And I hope you <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Not a moment before. <laughs> exactly. All right, Kyle. Thanks. 
All right. A big thank you to Mike Herrera for joining us on the show. What a cool dude. Um, I, I've been listening to his music for a very long time, and it was just a, a pleasure to have the chance to speak with him. Hope you enjoyed the show. If you did and you're not subscribed to the show already, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and then come leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know how we're doing. And uh, of course, as always, come visit us at itsalldead.com. We'd love to see you stop by and join the conversation. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Kyle Hawk, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Long Live the Music. If you like our show, come find us on Twitter and Facebook at It's All Dead. And of course, come visit our website, itsalldead.com.